Welcome to Horses for Future. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. But for Horses for Futures, what we're looking at are ways that horse people can make a difference in the climate change crisis. So my guest today is Heather Bins. Many of you may know Heather through her blog, Horse Magic, in which she's been chronicling her journey with her horses and her discovery of clicker training. And over the years, Heather and I have become very good friends. She's traveled to many of the clinics that I've given, so Australians are great for traveling. And we've gotten to know one another really well. So the other day when I opened up my email and saw an email from Heather in which she was saying, the fires are coming and we have to evacuate and I have to leave the horses behind if we do. It was just a heartbreaking email. And I wanted to share Heather, the experience you've been going through the last couple of days, because the climate change, we read the headlines, we read the reports, you know, I listen to, oh, various programs on the radio that are talking about one horrible disaster after another, and after a while, you first you get numb to it, it starts to feel hopeless. And it also starts to feel like it's happening elsewhere. It's happening to somebody else. The polar ice caps are melting, but that's not in my backyard. It's a long way away. And I, I've been out in California. I was giving a clinic there a couple of years ago when one of the really horrible fires was burning just 90 miles away. And we had people in the clinic whose property was in jeopardy and they were they were having to depend on the people who were there to get their horses and their other animals out because the fires had hit so fast they didn't realize that they were going to be in the fire zone. And Heather, you've now been going through that experience over the last couple of days. So could you take us back just to the really the the weekend, the beginning of the week? and talk a little bit about what you've been going through. First of all, you're not really in a fire zone, are you? No, um, just say hello to everyone and everybody who sent me messages. Thank you so much, that means a lot. I, I'm not normally in a fire zone. This area where we live, Coffs Harbour, uh, is subtropical. Fires are really unheard of in this area. There's certainly some fires, but nothing, nothing like what's been happening. So it's a bit like my area where we're, I mean, I just can't imagine. I've never been able to imagine when I hear the stories on the news about these fires that are consuming thousands of acres. And I live in sort of the New England area and we're, we're wet here. So we, you might get a brush fire in somebody's pasture, but it doesn't spread. That's right, that's right. And even uh, with this, um, well, I guess I, I should explain what has been going on. So our seasons have been getting uh, drier 
and drier. Our, this, this time is often a time of dryness, but nothing like we've had in previous years. Normally we'd get our rainfall in summertime, but we, last January, we had no rainfall whatsoever. Wow. And that was a little scary. Uh, we were fortunate that it was still quite green at that time. Now, we haven't really had decent rain for many months, and a lot of areas of Australia is in drought, a severe drought. And uh, certainly out west, they're, they're really hurting. And it's very, very sad to see. Now, what's happened is we live, so we live probably as the crow flies about two kilometres from the coast. Inland from Coffs Harbour, we're a little north of Coffs Harbour, and then we're inland. We live in a lovely valley here, but it could basically be five to ten minutes to the beach if we needed to go to the beach. So we're in a really lovely area. Now, these fires started in the mountain range, the Great Dividing Range that, that runs along the whole, um, you would say the whole side of the, the east coast of Australia. Uh, they started in national parks and forests there. I imagine they originally started from perhaps lightning strikes, not arsonists these ones, and then they get into country where it's uncontrollable. Now what's happened, this has spread all the way down to the coastal areas. It was out of control and they were desperately trying to halt this. There's a, a huge, the perimeter of the fire is huge, so to control it is very difficult. So what happened, weather conditions changed for the worse and Friday, last Friday was the most horrendous day where we had ash. It, it was just, the whole sky was just glowing. Uh, we were okay at that stage, but that's when it was terrifying. So that, that's probably where our crisis started, I guess, yes. um, from that day, from the Friday. So that's when you know that you've got, to, you've got to pack and be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Yes, yes. So we were told that the following Tuesday would be a, a terrible day. Uh, there was catastrophic warnings for Sydney's area and then further north, severe fire warnings. So on the I mean just that's just for Sydney. That's like threatening New York City or San Francisco or you know, that's wow. Yes, and it was catastrophic, uh, which they have not had that rating since the new ratings came in ten years ago. So for Sydney it's surrounded by there's a lot of uh, national parks on the fringes of Sydney. There's a lot of leafy suburbs. So it was very, for, for it to happen in Sydney is very, very scary. And uh, at the same time, it, it was, it's not just the Coffs Harbour area, further south at Port Macquarie, which is not 
necessarily a fire area. They're, they've had the same situations. So on Friday, some fires had come through, particularly further south, that were just burnt, destroyed so much land and people lost their homes. People got out. Several people in the fires uh, lost their lives mm. further up in Glen Innes Way. And so the warning was on. And we, on the Saturday, I started packing frantically, just trying to get things in boxes. And it's something I never thought I'd have to do. And suddenly I was faced with doing it. So I did that most of Saturday. Sunday, I felt the need to sit down and start writing about it, just to have a break and take stock of where things are. And of course, as you know, writing's um, therapeutic for me. And I also like to get messages out there to other parts of the world. So I, I wrote and then Sunday night, I started packing again. I did a second round of packing when I was calmer and I found a lot more special things that I had missed in the first round. And as I said in my recent blog, it's really odd that you just, you tick boxes and you just grab things and then you look at the mess and think, oh, it doesn't really matter because it will probably all be burnt. Yes. And, and that is the most, the strangest feeling of to have that. It's like, what does it matter now? It will, it will burn. So it went on. I then continued on the Monday. Um, and you've, you've got horses, so what? Yes, yes. So I'll tell you about the horses. Uh, the, probably the week before, because Doug and I, and my husband Doug, has, we've talked a lot about when this threat started, about what to do with the horses. Uh, I was in a dilemma. We have sold our horse float because it was never used and we were just paying registration on it every year. So we did sell our horse float uh, a little while back. Uh, my horses hadn't been anywhere for years and we were just happy doing our things here. Uh, so when it came to deciding what to do with the horses, we talked about it. Um, Doug felt that down on our flats, our creek flats, uh, where the grass is green was their best chance. And I was reluctant to move them because, mainly because of Magnum. And for one, as we know, you can do all the clicker training you want to get a horse on the float. But when fear kicks in and Magnum would revert to his previous fears, it was highly unlikely I would get him on a horse float. And even if I did, I knew with his legs, his balance, he would fall in the float. And I just thought the stress would probably kill him. So I wasn't prepared to even try that. And I wasn't going to leave him on his own uh, without the other horses. I thought, okay, that's what we're doing. And so that was my decision. Um, and 
I did look up information at how horses do jump um, fire lines in a, a, a small grass paddock. The grass is incredibly short at the moment, but it's still green. So I felt that that was their best chance. I ended up, even though three of them are microchipped, uh, I ended up putting identification tags on them. And I talk in my recent blog about doing that the morning uh, that we were threatened with evacuation. So that was, that, that was the choice, but it's certainly not an easy choice. No, I can't imagine what it must have been like when you were, when you were preparing, when you thought you had to leave, to be saying goodbye to them, knowing what was ahead. Yes, yes, it was. I spent uh, time of that morning with them, uh, taking their fly masks off, taking Sadi's rug off, making sure anything flammable was removed. Danny's hoof boots were removed. And then each one I spent time with. And um, it, it was just, yeah, I told them how much I love them and that uh, I wish them luck. And I hope that we'd all be together again. And it was very hard. Doug was running past and I said, can you just take some photos of me with each horse? Which he did. I think at the times of panic, you don't have time to delve into the full emotion of it. Yeah, you just do what you have to do. You're, you're running on adrenaline yep. and you do what you have to do. So at that point, I did say the goodbyes and then... I just wanted to make sure they were back down out of our forested area, down to where the paddock was, and I shut them out of the area where they'd be more at risk. So that was the horses done, and then it was a matter of listening and waiting and constantly hosing down our house and surrounds and uh, I have to mention too that, that Doug has many, many shade houses full of all sorts of plants. So he was down trying to hose around them in the hope of saving some of them. Uh, so, because he's a botanist, correct? Doug is um, Doug is a botanist, ecologist, uh, botanist, statistician. You know all those sorts of yes. Things done yes He's, he worked for many years in forestry as an ecologist he often would look in fire areas at um, threatened species to see what had grown back so he'll be a good resource for us as we try and figure out what we can do collectively with our own horse properties to keep this at bay if i can get him on a podcast he will be. <laughs> <laughs> yes so um and he has also done a lot of work with fires. Being um, in our, our state forest, he was, especially uh, in, when he was younger, he was called out to fires in an area. We, we did originally live in a town called Eden, which is very much at the south of the state, which at the time had a lot of fires. He's seen them firsthand, how they work, how they move. He, he knows what day's bad. So for me, 
it was a real comfort having him around with his knowledge and knowing, you know, when we should go and what the conditions were like. So he is, yes, having that knowledge of fires and how things move, but he knew when he was panicked, I was panicked. So <laughs> he wasn't saying, oh, just sit back. It's only 20 kilometers away. No, he knew how they moved uh, on a bad day. And he knew the threat of ember attack before the actual fire. You don't need the fire front there to be at, at risk. Ember attacks are what hits first. So we were just glued to the, I was glued to the radio to the TV, to various local groups on Facebook, just listening for anything up to date. Uh, we're in constant contact with our neighbours here. I had a friend down who lives on the coast wanting me to leave. And I said, no, it's okay. I know it's okay. But it is a very stressful time. And it is a weird, weird feeling to be faced with oh, well, it, yeah, like, what, what's the point of moving that in the house? Because it's pro it will probably be burnt. So your, your mind goes to strange places when that's happening. So it, it was, uh, what would I say? You even think, you start thinking about, oh, well, what would I rebuild? How would I rebuild? What would I do? And so we had many discussions like that. The anxiety, I think, comes more from the waiting, the preparation. The waiting is such a, a terrible thing. This waiting and waiting, knowing, do you leave now? Yes. And, and we also had three cats together at the time. I had my daughter's cats here. We were minding them. And so we knew we had three cats to get in the cages and get out as well. Uh, so it was, um, uh, I think you do take a lot of comfort in the community around. The fact that everybody was in the same position. And the way people rally around is amazing. It is truly amazing. And I just think there are such great people out there, really great people. And honestly, the firefighters, the helicopter pilots, I just, I, I can't begin to imagine what it's been like for them. They're the real heroes in this, working tirelessly, helicopter pilots risking their lives going in to areas where the winds may blow the wrong way. In fact, one did come down. I think it was up at Toowoomba in Queensland. A helicopter did crash land. The pilot was fortunate to get out. He had some minor injuries, I think. But these helicopters are sucking up water from dams and putting them on the yes. Office. So Tuesday was Tuesday was Tuesday was the big day. The yeah the day of warning. We got a a notice the day before the Monday to say that we were in the fire front. They had it in red, and I have posted that on the blog I posted last night. It, it's all the area was in red, the predicted fire path, and we were in it. It was right down, in fact, to the coast. So it was like, 
even even people in the beach suburbs were were at risk uh, that this fire would just keep burning till it hit the coast. So uh, when we saw that, and uh, I rang my neighbour to let her know, and we we knew that this was just something that has never ever happened here. It has never happened here, and it it was threatening a huge area of huge populated area. So we uh, that that's why the day was uh, just total panic, watching and waiting, and being ready to go. So as it turned out, we were so fortunate that the weather wasn't as bad as predicted and it it wasn't it didn't come through with the force that they had expected we had northeasterly winds keeping it away from us so we were very very fortunate that that happened it's just it's something now that we as you say we look at things we read things and we think oh those poor people that's just terrible for them but until you're in it, you, you've got no idea what it does to your mind and your body. And, and we didn't even lose our house. We didn't even get it back. No. So I can only imagine that you know, there's poor people going back to their houses today to find they don't have a house. Uh, there's people living in outlying areas. There's the sort of people who uh, will battle all their lives and they've lost their home and they mightn't have that home insured and I really feel for those people there was an old man on the news just sobbing he would have been in his 80s he'd saved his two dogs house was gone I just thought oh this is just it, it is just uh, a tragic and to me it just it didn't have to happen it just didn't have to happen so these are natural disasters that to me this is my opinion that we're having that don't need to be, don't need to be happening or they should never have happened uh, so it's it's um, something that I hope will wake up the politicians in Australia in particular and uh, to really uh, do something to do their bit for the climate change crisis and to really look at this in detail. Yes. I don't know. Well, I think we all have to wake up to it that we can't rely on the other. We have to rely on ourselves. Whatever actions we can take, whether that is something that we do within our own personal lives in terms of the way that we manage our the land that we have, the choices we make in our energy use, etc., etc., and the letters we write to our elected representatives, the rallying that we do to say, you know, enough is enough. We need to take action. We can't rely on the other anymore because climate change is at our door. 
it's it's come to your door in a very dramatic way, but it's it's there. And and it's not just our houses that we lose, but I think of the devastation that occurs in across all the fire zone in terms of the animals and the plants and it's just that's just heartbreaking. Of all the things that I looked around at, it was looking at the forest that just broke my heart. We have about, we're talking acres, uh, about 60 acres of forest. On our, our property is 100 acres. We have about 60 acres of forest. And it was possibly logged in the uh, last logged in the perhaps 70s or 60s and we have just left it as is and to walk in there is just like to me it's just like a breath of fresh air it's just I look at it every morning as I'm doing the horses and it's just to me it's just magic and when I thought I'd lose it that's what made me the most emotional. And I was surprised by that, that it did. I just don't want to lose all of that and everything that's living in there and all the work we've done on our property. Uh, Doug's created all these gardens. He's created rainforest. We've got a project just across the road on our other river flat, uh, replanting trees that are about they're about six years old now, to create a corridor from the uh, creek right through to the forest. We have birds like Regent Bowerbirds, which are beautiful yellow and black birds, who now come out, they'll fly past us at morning tea time. And they're normally quite secretive birds, but because there's more vegetation here, they, they are coming out further to feed. Uh, there are so many other birds as well. And then, of course, all the other creatures. The I saw the land mullet. We have Robert the bowerbird who's built a bower in Doug's <laughs> rainforest down there. He's got all the baling twine in there and he's got his bower ready for the ladies down there. We have... You have wallabies, which are very exotic for us. Yes, yes. We have wallabies and kangaroos. Um, the kangaroos tend to stay down on the flat. They're often in the paddock with the horses. The wallabies tend to be around the house and I have the pleasure of watching the babies come out, have their first run. I had one wallaby and baby spend a lot of time over at the horse stable with me. It knew when I was feeding, when I was clicker training and it would come in and take the pellets I even had it on the mat, on Danny's mat there. And that was really cute. So it's just, there is so much and so much else in the forest that yes. we don't see, but is there. It's too, it's too beautiful and wonderful a planet to basically to lose, to destroy. Oh, so, it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe one day you can get Doug to, to talk. He knows a lot more, you know, about these things and, and that's been his line of work. His thing is, you know, you can, you can never plant too many trees. You can never plant too much garden. 
as long as you're sensible and you have your fire breaks and you have a good fire plan, uh, it just does so much uh, to help and bring more life. Without the forest, without the, without that, where would we be? I don't know. That's right. That's right. We've been looking at the news reports of the Amazon burning and oh, you know, just uh, these these unthinkable things, just unthinkable. It is. And it is. I just, I, I can barely watch that news because it distresses me yeah. so much. And now, sadly, you've had a real taste of it, but thankfully, thankfully, you're you're okay now. So are are the fires past? Could they re-threaten, or are you? They've kept it west of the township of Nana Glen, which I put in my blog. I've, I've put a map there, so they've really held it off there. There were helicopters just going over all day yesterday, and they've they've put in a massive effort to contain it there. Uh, I just saw on the news this morning they're letting people back into the town. So that will be a relief for those people yeah. uh, that you're letting them back in. That is good news that they think they've contained it there. There's probably still other parts burning, but not threatening that town. Good. Yeah. So at least for now, you you can unpack your boxes, maybe. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I think... <laughs> All those, all those things. I think we will leave um, at the front door. <laughs> we have all this forest we have to the east of us. It's normally not a threat. That's not normally where fires come from. From, but nothing's normal anymore. Right. Uh, we could have a dry day and an easterly blowing. So it's a matter of, I think now until we get decent rain will be on alert. So it's a little different then from the hurricanes where, you know, the hurricane comes, you hear for days, the hurricane is coming, do you or do you not evacuate? You do all your prep and then you make that decision of to go or not to go. But once the hurricane is blown through, it's blown through. But a forest fire, it is different in that uh, you could have it you could have another fire coming through your area until the rains come. Certainly, yeah. it, it could come in a different direction. Right. So you don't un you don't unpack your boxes. You just you just stay on alert. Yes, my yeah. my plan is I will take them out of the car for now, <laughs> and I will put them in our front entryway. Then, if we get rain they will get packed up separately and <laughs> in a spot where I know where they are rather than going through every box in the yes. house. Yes. And then at least if this happens again, we know exactly where those boxes are. I have to say to Alex, I did throw in all your DVDs. Oh, oh, aren't you good? <laughs> so I need those. I threw in that. I threw in... Um, Pete Ramey's Hoof DVDs, <laughs> and I threw I, in... I, I, Heather, I would have been delighted to have replaced <laughs> your the DVDs if, 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 if worse had come to worse. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I, thought, I feel very honoured. <laughs> I thought, oh, I better throw all those in, and 
So it's Pete Ramey <laughs> and a couple of Anya Barans that I've got. Uh, yeah. So I that's just a, thought... That's, I'm in good company, so... No. <laughs> so but it is funny. I, it's sort of interesting what you decide, you know, what is precious, what do you take, what do you leave behind. But now... You have the now that you've made a total mess of your house pulling things apart, now you actually have to tidy up. I know. <laughs> and what a mess I've got in there. I yes. just cannot, I cannot believe the mess I have made. But yes, when I've, yes. I I will go and tidy up. It's a good distraction. Having to do the cleanup will distract you a little bit from what could have happened and what might still happen so we will be thinking of you as you are tidying up your house and we're just <laughs> all of us who have known you through the blog and have known you personally I'm just really glad that that we're having this conversation and not the other conversation that we might have been having which would have just been too heartbreakingly sad yeah well Yes, thank you for that, Alex. And, and as I said, to everybody who's who's wished us well from near and far, it, it does mean a lot in times like this. And it, it's nice to know that there's other people yeah. out there thinking about you at, at those times yes. and having an understanding of what it's like with the animals, what it's like to be faced with leaving a place that you love and... And animals that you love. Animals that you love. That forest that you love. Helplessness. Every, yes. Everything. Your, your world. Your world. Yes. So, yes. so it is. Um, and I just, and I'm, I'm really grateful to you for doing this interview because, again, I think we have to, we have to make it personal in order to really take action. We have to really understand that these changes are real that the patterns that these odd weather patterns that we're seeing they are significant and that there are things we still can do and and so i'm grateful to you for helping to make it more personal for all of us oh you're welcome alex yeah. and so thank uh, you. i do like to be a bit of a reporter so i'm pleased that i yes. could share this experience yes. Yes. And yeah, thank you. You are very welcome. So we'll be in touch. Okay, Alex. All right. Well, thanks Bye. for that. And I will go and have my coffee. That's right. Goodbye. <laughs>